Hello, Steve here again, Steve Kaufman. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with an online teacher of Russian, Daria of Real Russian Club. Remember, if you enjoy these videos, please subscribe, click on the bell for notifications. If you follow me on a podcast service, please leave a review. Okay, Daria, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and then I have a number of questions that I would like to ask you. <laughs> I want to start with the, yeah, the, the, the word that horrifies all the beginners in Russian. Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a teacher. You said I'm an online teacher, but also I am a teacher at the university at CU Boulder. Uh, so I teach offline, I teach online, and I try to find this balance, to find this perfect way of uh, learning Russian for people who learn with teacher, uh, with a teacher, for people who learn uh, by themselves on their own. So yeah, that's that's pretty much what I try to do. Okay, we will leave a link to your YouTube channel in the description box. Um, so there was a very famous Hungarian polyglot, Kato Lom or Lom Kato, who said who had a formula for language learning, which essentially was that it's a it's a function of the motivation of the learner, the time put in, divided by inhibition, frustration, difficulty, and everything that reduces the level of motivation. So my first question is, how do you, what do you do to increase the motivation for people to learn uh, Russian? And what do you do to decrease the difficulties, real or imagined, that are there in the Russian language? Uh, first of all, I think the most important thing is to use the materials that are interesting for students. It's hard to do it online, but offline I always try to ask in the very first, um, how to say, on, on the very first lessons, I try to mm -hmm. ask some personal questions, what they like, what they are interested in, like somebody uh, can be interested in, um, I don't know, science, or chemistry, somebody might like motorcycles, somebody's a fan of Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or anything. So at the very beginning, mm -hmm. when people cannot deal with authentic Russian materials as much, I try to mm -hmm. use something they like uh, in Russian. For example, we are going mm -hmm. to use Star Wars characters in Russian, so making mm -hmm. dialogues between, I don't know, Darth Vader and uh, Yoda, mm -hmm. uh, completely made up, of course. Um, so something that would keep people engaged rather than using random mm -hmm. characters like some Silvio mm -hmm. from Italy comes to Russia and he interacts or something like that. So when it's something uh, more funny, uh, it's uh, it's just more engaging. And I encourage mm -hmm. people when they learn on their own to do the same thing rather than using something that they don't care about, like articles about weather or something like that. Uh, use the same materials. Can, I, can mm -hmm. I... I just want to pick up on that because I think you make a very important point. So many of these beginner books talk about, you know, Mario comes from Italy, he's at the train station, he's with, you know, at customs, uh, he goes to the bank, he goes to the doctor, and all of these are totally uninteresting, and typically the narrator is bored reading the story, and so that's a very bad place to start. And what you're suggesting is things that are not only of interest to your learners, but also familiar to them. 
I think it's very important to deal with material that is familiar. And another problem sometimes in language texts is they go to the very esoteric cultural aspects of Korean or Japanese or Russian, whereas really they should be beginning with, as you said, you know, Harry Potter or Star Wars or, or something that is already familiar. So we can go from the familiar to the less familiar, because already the language is, of course, not familiar. Yes, so and I uh, totally agree with what mm -hmm. you said. And you mentioned boring narrators. This is a huge problem because especially those older books uh, that have audio with them, it seems as if, as if some robots were reading those texts. It, it, it is awful. So in my mm -hmm. podcasts, uh, in my audio lessons, I always try to use as many emotions as I can. So when it's like whispering or yelling or so I try to to be engaging because when it's an audio lesson it's even more difficult to to keep mm -hmm. your uh, attention there because you don't see the person speaking so those um, monotonous boring uh, readings it, it's uh, very discouraging so yes emotions I checked out your your videos people. by the way and they are excellent and they're very lively and, and that's exactly what people need to motivate them Oh, and we learn so better. Much. There's more resonance. We learn better. Yes, because uh, otherwise you'll just fall asleep after what ten, ten minutes into the into mm -hmm. the Russian Absolutely. text. Uh, so yeah, materials that are interesting, being more uh, emotional and. Uh, uh, pleasure, first of all. So mm -hmm. as soon as you feel discouraged, as soon as you feel overwhelmed, you feel that uh, I'm not having any progress. I am at this, right. how to pronounce, pl Plato? How to pronounce it? Plato? In Russian we say mm -hmm. Plato. The Plato, this. yeah. Yeah, Plato, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, and it's an inevitable. Yeah, yeah it's inevitable. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people are so discouraged that they think that this is the end and they just quit. And uh, in reality, it's just the milestone. You need to overcome this point and uh, you will maybe skyrocket on the next stage. So it's very important While to on the keep your motivation. While on the subject of the plateau, uh, mm -hmm. how do you deal with the experience that I had with Russian? And that is that no matter how many times you look at the declension table, no matter how many times you look at the endings in the three different genders for all the different cases, you can't remember them. You, you, maybe you can identify, if you're reading, from the context you can identify the meaning of that word, but when you're speaking to try to get the correct uh, case ending, no matter how much you study, it just seems so elusive. How do you help your Russian learners improve in their use of cases in Russian? Oh, first of all, I try to be very nice, and especially at the first stages, because I learned this mostly from my American students. Before, I used to be this harsh Russian person who corrects all mistakes, you should be perfect. It was a long time ago, but that's how it started, unfortunately. And then several people told me that, uh, that I made them cry after I was in my nice, uh, I was in my nice stage. I thought I was encouraging, but some people told me yeah. that they were so frustrated, even with minor corrections at the beginning, that they were crying and it turned uh, my whole understanding of it upside down. So after that, I am the nicest teacher ever at the beginning, of course. 
Uh, right. I never correct, never correct people. I happy when they say anything to me. Later, when I hear them uh, being confident already, but when they make mm -hmm. mistakes, I will correct them, and then we will concentrate on grammatical aspects of that. But at the beginning, it's important just to try because no harm mm -hmm. done if if you mix those endings of cases. It's very confusing. Even for Russian people, it's very confusing. And we learn cases at Russian schools being native speakers. Still, for mm -hmm. several years, we learn those endings, those questions for the cases. It's, it's a difficult thing. We can't underestimate it. So, yeah, just slowly trying. I, don't... I think that's a very important point that you just made. There is a stage in our learning where we want to be corrected. But at the early stages, we need encouragement. We need encouragement to keep speaking. And many mistakes do correct themselves. Conversely, many of the corrections that the teacher makes have no effect whatsoever. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that uh, in different languages, if I look at my sort of lesson notes I get from my teacher, I make the same mistakes every week. So it, it's, a, it's a gradual process combination of reading the rules and the teacher correcting you and self-correcting but it's certainly it, it, there's no quick solution to these things and you just have to hope that eventually the brain gets used to them but uh, cases are a problem in russian and, and how about the other difficulty in russian which is this whole aspect of verbs verbs of oh, motion yes. do you have any yes, sort verbs. of secret in <laughs> helping people with Before for verbs, especially verbs of motion, verbs with prefixes, I have a special course for that. I try again to put them into some funny context. I create stories again using Harry Potter, using some famous actors, uh, mm -hmm. using uh, some popular popular characters, and I try to put those uh, verbs into a funny context, funny mini-story, and then mm -hmm. I will ask simple questions for every sentence, like он приходит или уходит, он зашел или вышел, and for 20 minutes straight, just repeating the same stuff again and again. And mm -hmm. um, since mostly those prefixes keep their meaning for most of the verbs, after 10 minutes stories like that, this is this just gets somewhere deep in your memory. Mm -hmm. And next time, just click and you use it naturally because mm -hmm. you heard it and repeated it so many times. You just have the feeling of when you want to go out, you say вышел, выходить. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just the point of practice and hearing the same thing again and again in the same situations, but with different, different characters. Right. And and there's no predicting when all of a sudden we start being able to use some of these things correctly. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's a bit. The, it's the same as trying to remember words. Certain vocabulary items just never stick. And we shouldn't allow ourselves to be frustrated. And the same with, with grammar, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be frustrated. At some point, it will probably click in. And uh, I think your, your approach of patience, repetition, but not being too demanding of people makes a lot of sense. Um, one final note. So I think uh, <clears throat> Russia, if we, today in the world, if we look at the most popular languages, you know, languages that, are pe that people are learning, uh, obviously, English is probably number one because of its practical you know, usefulness. Uh, and then, historically, certain European languages like Spanish 
are popular and uh, recently Korean and Japanese have become popular for reasons related to pop culture and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I happen to be a fan of the 19th century, so Russian for me was very attractive. Uh, and of course, Russia is an enormous country with uh, not only not only sort of the original Slavic Russian people, but it's the whole influence of Central Asia and the Caucasus. I mean, it's just a spectacular world, this whole Russian world thing. That's me. What is most attractive to your students? What brings them to Russian? Oh, today it's a very complicated question because unfortunately what I notice uh, in the past decade, uh, the interest to the Russian language is, is decreasing, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And uh, more and more often each new semester at the university, I see that it's some people that are interested in military stuff. <laughs> so oh. there are people in in uniforms sitting in class. I'm oh okay. It's it's not the good reason to no. learn Russian. But no. uh, but unfortunately so this is one reason I guess a lot of uh, military people are suddenly very interested in Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, peaceful people usually are interested in uh, literature. I heard that, mm -hmm. but this is this is rare because people are realistic. They understand that uh, from the point of starting learning the language to uh, the point where they will be able to read Dostoevsky or mm -hmm. uh, War and Peace, right. Tolstoy uh, in original. This is this is a huge way. So, mm -hmm. um, what else? A lot of people have parents from Russian-speaking countries, uh, from mm -hmm. the former Soviet Union countries. Mm -hmm. And they start to forget the language. They start to right. speak with accent. They confuse mm -hmm. the words. So those people come a lot mm -hmm. to my classes. A lot of people you know, come to just do it for fun. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. I mean, maybe maybe uh, if there were some, you know, Russian equivalent of anime or K-pop, <laughs> that would encourage mm -hmm. people to learn Russian. Uh, just on the subject of, of okay, I, I said that I was interested in 19th century literature, but I'm learning Arabic right now, and I came across this uh, cartoon series from Jordan, therefore in Levantine Arabic, on YouTube, three to five minutes long, cartoons about this family. And there's three kids, and the kids are teasing each other, and the typical struggles between husband and wife, and, and it's just so well done, and it's so amusing, and it comes with either English or um, Arabic subtitles. And each episode is three to five minutes long. And there's like an endless number of these. And it's just struck me. And I'm using them for my Levantine Arabic. And these are phenomenal for language learning. Phenomenal. You can watch it with English subtitles. It's three or five minutes long. You can then read through the dialogue, which I do on link. Uh, you can listen to it. And it's funny. It's familiar. It's a family situation. doesn't matter whether you're in... Jordan or Russia or Canada, family dynamics are kind of similar. So it's, it's a spectacular uh, learning uh, material resource. Uh, I don't know whether anything like that exists for Russian. And even the fact that it's, a, it's cartoons makes it lighter and, and fun. And the, the voices, I mean, the actors, you know, the voices are, are wonderful and it's, it's just excellent. And it's, it's dialogue rich. Uh, there's no point watching a movie where there's lots of you know, scenery and silence or, or uh, shooting or door slamming. You need like dialogue rich content that's amusing and familiar. And these certainly do that. Um, but I don't know mm -hmm. if anything similar exists for Russian.
Yeah, we do have a lot of Russian cartoons. They are originally made for Russians, of course, for mm -hmm. Russian children. My son loved them when he was smaller. Uh, it's Tri Kata, Three Cats. It's about three mm -hmm. kittens and their parents. And all those family interaction situations mm -hmm. are there. Like going to school, having an argument with your siblings uh, or parents, making some surprise, celebrating birthdays, all this stuff in quite simple Russian because it's for small children. Mm -hmm. So Tri Kata is the first, Malishariki is the second. Uh, Does it have English subtitles? very cute. I'm sure some that people would be already did. That would be worth looking into because yes. I, I found these for the for my Levantine yes. Arabic. It's, it's just phenomenal as a, as a learning material. Better than any, yes. uh, you know, teach yourself living in <laughs> Russian, you know, textbook. Anyway. Yes, car cartoons are amazing. Are amazing. Yeah. Well, listen, we could go on forever, I think. But uh, as I said, I'm leaving a link to your channel. I think Russian is a phenomenal language to learn. It's one-seventh of the globe, if you look at it on a map of the world. Uh, uh, Russian interacts or intersects with other countries where Russian was or is still spoken. It's a gateway to all the Slavic languages. It has a rich literature. It's a wonderful sounding language. Very creative people. I very much encourage people to learn Russian and to learn with Daria and go to her YouTube channel and see how she can help you. So, Daria, thank, thank you, you very so much for much. being with me today. And I look forward to chatting thank again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Пока. До свидания.